Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to another episode of Selena's Underground Podcast. Your look at Selena's news, events, strikes, slash riots, slash communist activities. Oh, it's going to be a good one today. Um, Yeah. Welcome, everybody. I know it's been a while. We're in, we're in the new year. We, as in Oz and I. Yeah, the whole world has joined me and you in the new year. It is... Is that clock right? I no, just it is that. not. Um, power keeps going on and off here. We're in like in the middle of the worst storm we've had in years, but we're still got to record. It's been it's been too long not being in the studio. Literally, the show must go on. Yeah, heck yeah! Luckily, we have an old. This is an old building here in Old Town. We can't hear anything right now outside. Outside, it's all hell is breaking loose. But in here, it's pretty calm. <laughs> It's howling outside. Literally, the wind is howling. Yeah, it's pretty bad out there. It's pretty bad out there. But yeah, like I said, we got to get back in the studio. We keep saying that. It feels like the last six episodes, which came out like once a month, I keep saying, oh, we're going to get more consistent. We're going to get more consistent. And, um, and a million things come up. If I can find someone to pay me a million dollars per episode, I will have one every week. I'll have one every no day. Mass? I have one every day. A Actually, you, a million episode. I'll I'll make it cheaper for this invest. A million dollars a month. Gotcha. And I'll give you an episode a week. No problem. No problem. <laughs> but unfortunately, I haven't found that person yet. So you get what you get. People give me money. I'm gonna start walking around with a tip jar around my neck and just, maybe just put money in there if you want to consistent episodes. Really. Yeah. Do you think that would actually motivate you to be in the studio more consistently? No, no, I'm not money. Um, See, that's that was exactly my question. I'm glad. (laughs) I just yeah, I like the storytelling. Well, I again because money would allow me to not only buy all the books that I want to, because there is a fair amount of books about this area, but also to be able to sit there and go through them. Because, you know, it's one thing to spend 50 bucks on a 600-page book, but then you got to go through it to find the stuff. And then, again, because this isn't like New York City or L.A. or something, sometimes it's like four or five different sources that you have to kind of all stitch together to to weave the story. Gotcha. And this is that leads us to today. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Which leads me to my next point, kids. Well, today, yeah, people have been loving the history. Again, people love the history part of it. I like I've said before, I love doing the history part of it because I I love history of Salinas and it blows my mind that other people. um, You love doing the research part of it. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. It's so neat to me um, to be like, wait, all this happened. I'm keep messing with my mic. I'm sorry. It feels a little loose. Um, so yeah, so what, one thing, and this is cool cause it ties in like a national stuff and I know Selena's underground, we're really Selena centric, so we don't really get into the national level stuff, but I mean, dude, there's, I got, a, I got a lot of stuff to say, you know, I got opinions <laughs> about the world and, and honestly, one of the things, and this is interesting for me is I believe unions are weaker now than they have been in a long time and i under i understand the value of unions i also see how they can be bad because police unions to me are are weird and that they're they're political entities and i don't think police should be politically inclined why selena's pd follows donald trump jr on twitter i don't know (laughs) (laughs) but that's not but yeah you should yes you should be politically neutral but 
Yeah. Who, who am I to say anything? Who am I to say anything? But anyway, I, I think unions are important. And, and I, I think that in school, the way that union. All right. I mean, people know people listen to the show is 300 episodes. They, you know, it's not going to come out as a surprise, but I, I think schools fail students in a lot of ways. And this is not an attack on teachers. I'm not going after teachers. Teachers are amazing and they do crazy stuff. But yeah, and what and a lot of funding from schools comes from big corporations. You know, the 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 Cokes and the Ford Foundation and whatever Rockefeller foundations are out there. And also the origins of schools they were it's very outdated like schools were created to keep to create good workers for factories yeah and th- that's what i'm getting at. yeah that, that's what i fully believe as well because of again how much they they put on like the tardiness and and absent like you know it, it's very little critical thinking it's more just obey 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 and you have very set times at what you do all your stuff and um and, and yeah and one of the things that i believe is that because of this the unions his, through history they're not shown in the most positive light or they're not shown I, even objectively i'm not even positively you know just like i think unions are seen as this like oh yeah sometimes there's all these scrappy workers you know like the, these miners got together and, and formed a union but they don't really go into like how terrible the, you know it was or the child labor as or how important th- these are to yeah and i but i, I think i'm like trying to i i totally hear what you're saying so you basically to to summarize it you're saying like you know though they talk about like you know it's so great that the union kind of formed and these people got together and did what they did but they never talk about you know what it the conditions that it took for them to actually get to that point, right? Um, and the yeah, and then the, the context of what they mean to the American society as a whole, exactly. Because, because all of a sudden, you know, you you know, you have the the prosperity of the fifties that everyone just, I mean, not not assumes a big part of it is yeah that we had a, the war machine was going for four years, so so we had a lot of money. But also at the same time, union protections were very strong at that point. So it made sense, you know, when unions are strong, wages are higher. And and, and we see it's so interesting. Like I have friends, you know, some friends that work in unions and there's always that one guy that they're like, this guy would have been fired years ago you know but they keep him around because and they 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 blame them like oh he's you know he's the bad and it's like isn't it weird like that like uh, that these companies hold that power over you of like any little thing or not whatever we decide we can just you know kick you out and and ruin your you know change your whole life you know and these unions are like yeah dude if i get sick I don't have to come in with a doctor or whatever the hell, you know, like that's such basic shit, you know, that Mm -hmm. like you would think that corporations would do that on their own, but no, that's not normal. The reason why there's a minimum wage is because if they could pay you less, they would. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. You know, 100. And and so anyway, I, I, I think right now unions are once again, not only are they weak, but they are being attacked a lot in the mainstream and people see them as, well, still to this day, that commun- and you'll see it's so interesting. Here we are 100 years later, and you throw that, oh, communism, communi- oh, they're communists, they're pinkos, you know, and, and it just discredits what it is. And it's like, dude, hell no. Like, we, 
workers, man, the workers of the people, workers of the people, the, the, the working people of, the, of this country and of the world, like, deserve more. For sure. Like, dude, you have these fucking... And I want to, you know, like, fuck it, whatever. Elon Musk, like an Elon Musk type dude. Like, man, one person doesn't need that much wealth. It's damaging to society. I get it, dude. Like, what he's doing is pretty much legal, you know, or buying, selling stock or, or whatever. But it's like, dude, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Like, when his employees, not all of them are freaking well off you know they're i'm sure they're very very poorly paid tesla and now twitter employees we're seeing the madness that's happening there anyway oh my god i didn't know i started with a nine minute pro union rant um but <laughs> we'll see why help you <laughs> but we'll see and we'll see why i bring that up again later in, in this and how because again, we've been getting people young. The younger generation's been getting more politically active, and the older generation can be dicks sometimes. So I want to show them something that the even older generation was doing. Um, but before we get into that, let's just we got to get into some news. The real important news right here. I don't even tell you because this is the major breaking news. I broke the news that freaking Starbucks was going to the east side. I'm breaking some more news. Everyone, Salinas, are you prepared? We are going to have the meats again. We're getting an Arby's. <laughs> oh, what you said that. I don't watch television, so I was like, what is that in reference to Arby's? We have the meats. So they're putting a truck stop over there um, by the airport. And that make that totally makes sense. I'm, I'm not. I mean, I'm never. I'm not going to go to Arby's. I've never been to an Arby's. It never has looked appetizing. Um, but yeah, they're putting a Love's truck stop over there where they built the new uh, interchange next to Inza, California, and all that. Gotcha. By and, the Denny's out there. Yeah. Got it. Which is cool. It makes sense. There's it was empty space. What bothers me is when they first cleared it out. This really neat creek flowed like through the middle of the property, and I was just like, "Please keep the creek, please keep." Because of I, course I, they're not keeping a creek, Ozzy. Oh my god, ah, it's a fucking love ah, truck stop, and you ah, thought that there was even a possibility that they would keep the creek. I You're living like, in a fucking fairytale ah, land. There's got to be Pisces ah, in your sign somewhere. I swear. I. Uh, <laughs> Dude, because I, I knew it had been going to be a truck stop for years. You know, that was already kind of in the works. But I saw that and I was like, dude, whoever you could you can like focus your development around it. And then but of course, yeah, the first thing oh. they do is flatten the whole property. They probably put culvert, you know, down there. And it's just like <sighs> fucking nature, bro. You're just covering it up like with asphalt, like. It's called capitalism, and, uh, and that's of of course that's what we need is a loves fucking truck stop next to an Arby's. Well, yeah, it's gonna have an Arby's component, and uh, and but I'm, for everybody listening that could potentially want to go there, just take yourself a couple more stops down the highway, down one hundred and one, get off on Market Street, and go to Colturas. Hell yeah, you're welcome, dude. Or even the little. Jalisciense type place right there on Sanborn, right in front of um, Pilot. Go there. They're local. In front of, where's Pilot? By a, there's a, oh, AMPM they, Pilot. Yeah, they're um, Taqueria. Um, yeah, I've never been there actually. I know what you're, it's like a yellow building. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, go there. They're they're local. But anyway, that was that was me. I was going through the permits and be like, let's see what's cool. And I saw that Arby's. they pulled all the permits for the again for that that place. And yeah, dude. And that's what it's not funny, but I'm sure somebody, some people in the city are gonna celebrate that. <laughs> Gonna like put tweet it out or put it on their Instagram. Oh, we're getting Arby's again. Like, that's wow. Relax. I feel really bad for the person who gets excited about that. That's neither here nor there. Arby's, and also yeah, get into more news, and this kind of will tie into what we're talking about. And um, at this point, it's a little, it's a couple weeks old, but the. Recently, the Salinas Police Department arrested somebody in Hollister. Correct. A gang, a gang affiliate, gang member, whatever the hell. They someone that they are classifying as gang affiliated. Yeah, and 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 then the, so they Allegedly. did what they do is you know they they put their 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 property up there when they take a picture you know take a picture like. I don't know. They always think that they're like the the DEA with like tons of kilos or something. Like they you know look what cool. It reminds me of like the little dick energy you get from people who do like the trophy kills and shit. Like the hunters who do it for like for, yeah, and for it totally makes sense. That, yeah, like that, that's what it feels like. You feel me? Like where they're like, look at us. We're so cool. I think is what they're going for. Yeah, well, because that well, what always bugs me when they will like put a gun up there and be like, okay, well, how many more went into the street that that day? <laughs> oh, you took one, two guns off the street, but guess what? Ten more were added there. And again, this isn't like somebody making them in the hood or anything. These are guns that are made in factories, like by legitimate companies. Like, like, yeah, you can't be blaming poor people for guns. Like, they get all excited for their fuck. Anyway. I'm not, I can make fun of them forever for that, but what, what, so the, they do that. That's normal again. And like you're saying, that's a very valid point. I, I think honestly, it probably goes back to that. to like showing off the, it's the, a big the capture on, of the hunt. Uh, yeah. It's and, a big um, pat on their, their own, like, you know, they're sucking their own dick and, um, and included in the, in this, in the belongings of this person was two hats from Milpa yes. and, and again, Milpa, if you're, not familiar i i'm not i'm blanking on on what the initialism stands for but it's it's an organization that helps either kids that are going down the wrong path or kids that have already gone the down the wrong path and it tries to bring them back you know into uh sounds weird to bring them back into society because it's not like they're outcasts but what what i would classify them as is you know they are a program that helps system impacted folks yeah people that are impacted by the system whether that be you know the juvenile corrections facility you know adult prison jail you know group homes uh foster care things like that so yeah that's an excellent excellent uh ex- explanation of of who they are and again and because of the nature of what they do dude there's gonna there's gonna be hiccups there's gonna be issues it's 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 hard work it's it's gonna be hard work and sometimes there's gonna be (laughs) dude yeah sometimes there's gonna be people that stray down the wrong you know down the wrong path and hopefully they can continue to stick around and 
do good. We we can we can see the the efforts of the. I mean, since I was a kid, there's been these types of of groups, and and I mean, look at it. Look at Selena's. What it is now. It's granted. There's waves. Dude. There's always waves. You know, we can't claim victory yet. We can next year can hit or I mean, damn, this year barely started. You know, but for the most part, for the last you know half half a decade, you know, six years, whatever, it's been. Relative, pretty damn safe. Like relatively calm. I yeah. Guess that's- well, not even relatively. It, it's basically like status quo, or if not even slightly safer than the rest of California in the country. You know, like yeah. even for Salinas, it's it's. And again, and there's a million reasons why. And I I believe part of it is these types of organizations. And again, and because of their. They got their hands in the dirt, you know, so obviously they're going to have some dirt under their fingernails at some point. But that you can't automatically disqualify what they're doing or discredit or try to make them out as some kind of like gang um, affiliated or or like a recruiting thing. You know, that oh, this is like some kind of pseudo like correct way for them to recruit or like. I, I think that what you're getting at is like, you know, the Salinas PD tried to associate it in in them arresting this particular individual. They posted a, a, a photo on their social media and they um, they captioned it with the words like um paraphernalia and you know associations and things of this nature and so they included not only a milpa hat but a school's not prison hat along with you know um what is a well, and a do we have a fucking welga bird here exactly, my fucking gang related? but also it was thrown in there with other like norteño yeah, with actual you, like real yeah, yeah stuff that's like obviously probably that, that is obviously affiliated, but they wanted to categorize the Welga bird and Milpa and the schools not prisons, you know, along in that same category as Norteño par- paraphernalia. It was right? a, an attempt by the Salinas Police Department to discredit Milpa on social media. One hundred percent, but also it is a very thinly veiled attempt for the Salinas Police Department to discredit not just Milpa, but any type of organization that's for us, by us. I think that's the big underlining thing. It doesn't necessarily have to be Milpa. It could be any organization that's brown-led from within the community, within, you know, the barrio or whatever, doing things on a big scale and helping to divert children from the school-to-prison pipeline, helping to divert, you know, grown individuals, you know, away from, you know, the correctional world and facilities and things of this nature right like you know and and very along the lines of what you said when you're out working in the dirt you're going to have a little bit of dirt under your fingernails Um, it's my understanding that most of the people who work for milpa are also system impacted yes so in order to understand a lot of these kids and in order to be able to reach them and have any sort of quote-unquote credibility you know it needs to be sometimes folks in order for you to reach some of these kids that a lot of times society would deem 
you know, un unreachable and un, you know, um, I feel like like our society is constantly trying to correct behaviors. So they feel like these a lot of these individuals, their behaviors cannot be corrected. You know what I'm saying? And for a lot of times that is true for a lot of these individuals, but only because these programs that they create and the structures that they create around them, they're not set up for these people and these kids to, you know, yeah, be successful, that's what right? I, yeah, so that's... it takes these organizations like these ones to help the most marginalized and the most system impacted, right? Yeah, and it's important that that those you know people that that are system impacted are in these organizations because kids or or uh, youths or whoever that are Adults. that are again going down this path also tend to relate a lot more to somebody that 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 did a 10 year bid you know yeah, exactly. than than the, a white psychologist from Stanford like yeah. and don't get me and that white psychologist has a lot of credentials and a, a lot of research or whatever but it doesn't matter if you can't reach the person that you're supposed to I always to. say there's nothing like like lived experience and the people who are going to be experts in the solution most of the time are also going to be experts in the need Right. Yeah, I and, say that often and I get that shout out to Dr. John, Dr. Don Silva from Viendas Para Todos. He's the one who taught me that, you know, everyone's an expert, even if you're an expert in the need. And so, like, when you are system impacted, you understand from a very personal, you know, viewpoint of what it takes to be successful outside of these systems right like and so i think that milpa does a lot of amazing work in showing not just young adults but also adults like you know how to like live and work in you know outside of jail essentially right yeah. outside of foster care or group homes or these highly hyper um surveillanced situations you know what i'm saying um and so i think that the work that they do is amazing i think that it's valid i think that it's necessary and i think that it is a very cheap shot and a very thinly veiled dog whistle by the salinas police department and not only how dare they but like it's gross well and it shows to me in their posts straight up how they they create conflict with the community correct um they, they it's it says that they you know they i don't know if they re, they do realize it they're very very sophisticated public relations department um but it, it said right there because in their in their caption they, they had two points you know point number one oh this is this is an educational opportunity for parents who may not be aware that you know if their children are wearing some stuff like this they might be gang, gang related affiliated. and yes. number two you know the arrest happened in a different county so we're gonna get you wherever yeah. you go we're gonna get you yeah that's how it started so, it so said, to me is like that in that post you, you don't you know you you said that that oh because they they say um that they they use those as like Oh, so someone will walk in where, or they'll they'll see someone wearing a Florida Marlins hat. So they'll mm -hmm. be like, "Oh, who's your favorite Marlins player?" Oh, you know, like when did they win the last? Like they'll ask them a question to try to trip them up. Gotcha. And if they can't respond, then they're like, "Oh, this guy's most likely, you know, mm -hmm. something might be happening here." So because they put those those hats up, so that then says that if they see someone on the street wearing a school's not prison sweater let's say 
I have a then, school's not prison t-shirt. Yeah. So then they now have, they have, they can question you and say, well, what's that about? When, when did you join? When did you hear about that? And if you can't answer the question in whatever way they want, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, whatever. The answers they made up. Correct. So it's like, dude, so what you're, and you know that people really, like, again, people will, will subliminally realize that, like, holy shit, like, there's a chance that a cop might talk to me, you know, even though I'm not doing nothing wrong or whatever. Like, we realize, you know, situations can go south with the police really fast yeah really really fast and they can they literally become deadly um and i'm not saying this is not me saying that every cops out there would fucking itchy trigger finger or whatever but honestly the le- the least interactions you can have with a cop the better and i think you, that know? you and, say that from the perspective of a bipoc male like living in the world that we live in right and i think that there is going to be a small segment of the listeners that are listening right now and they're just like why are you well, scared if you, of the cops exactly <laughs> why are you scared of the cops if you didn't break any laws then you shouldn't be scared of anything and da, 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 da. Like armadillatory that's because weird. that is your experience doesn't mean that that's the experience of everybody and yeah and it's but, it's just the truth. Yeah, and to me, and that's Cops where you know, racially profile by, by using that, you know, again, now people are going to second, or some people might second guess buying that merchandise. So all of a sudden, and now you've you've taken away the message. You've you've destroyed. You didn't have to go out and kill anybody, you know, but you've destroyed a, a community, you know, a community unifying message yeah and all, all you're doing now is again creating friction within the community both with you know within themselves and also between them and you you you, you know since the department of justice the department of justice came in to to figure out what the hell was going on with the salinas police department they've sworn up and down that that you know that their community relations are getting so much better and it's like it, that's such that's a, such a lip service. It's obvious it bullshit when you service. see those kind of posts. Those yeah. kind and when the police don't aren't even don't even have the balls to come out and be like, "All right, dude, that was a bit much." You know that you know we're not here to try to discredit any community organizations. You, you don't have to come out and say, "Yay, go milpa," but you got to be like, you know what? That was a little not neutral. Yeah, you're not here to pick sides. You're the fucking cops, dude. You don't pick sides. No, you maintain the peace. That's it. No, that's it. You, that's what they're supposed to do. Well, no, exa- yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what, and like I mentioned earlier, go on the Salinas Police Twitter account. They are following very few people and zero politicians. It's, I mean, I guess Donald Trump Jr. is not a politician yet. But that goes to show where their mentality is. Yeah, 100 percent. And also kind of where where their political allegiances lie. Right. It's not like they follow Donald Trump Jr. And then they follow someone else. That's like this dude's dad was saying that Mexicans are rapists, are drug dealers. For years, yeah. they try to spend billions of dollars to build a fucking wall, a wall be- and between, Salinas dude. PG and th- that's my who's... parents' fucking mother, like that. And it's a lot. I know a lot of listeners get it because a lot of our listeners are Mexican. But dude, like that, there's something to that, like a, a psychological thing of walling off your ancestors' home homeland, like not just, from your own one. Like not just that's that. fucked. Also, think about it. This is 
a the Salinas I feel Police Department. Their eyes <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> roll your eyes. You're still listening. Um, this is the Salinas de P- Police Department who services a community who's over 80% Latinx identifying. So you think about, again, Donald Trump Jr., whose father makes all these negative remarks about people who look like us and sound like us. Right. And our police department follows something that's very adjacent to that person, yeah. extremely adjacent to that, you know, one one degree of separation, right? And well, and because and, 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 and Donald Trump ain't on service. Twitter, you know, yeah, exactly. I'm pretty so sure, the next best thing yeah, is to exactly. follow Donald Trump, and they so know I, what they're and, doing. So if they try exactly. to feign ignorance, this is another my final thought here, and then we'll get into the history my history at segment but then this is where if they try to be like oh my bad like you know we didn't realize what, what we were doing it's like yes they do they have a very sufficient look look at the social media uh campaigns or accounts of the salinas police department versus the parks and recs department yeah. versus versus the public works department Versus the library department. Look, look at the difference. Read the the word, the captions. Look at the pictures. They are one that. is a very professionally done with very sophisticated writing techniques. Another is a overworked fucking staffer. <laughs> it's one of the twelve people that have to fucking cut the grass for all the fucking yeah. parks or whatever. So the city, it's, the police department knows what they're doing. And on top of that, we could we keep calling them the police department. And this is my final point to show just how smart and sophisticated they are with their communication and how they deliver information. I will they, forever call it the police department. I know what they are. Say. Yeah. If, and if you go to the, the, the new police station, it look at the sign. It says police services of Salinas. Yes. It says police services of Salinas. And that seems like a so non thing, but there dude, no. check this out. This is a little mini history for you guys before we get into the big history one. So the reason why it's called the police services of Salinas now, instead of the Salinas police department is because there is, or was, I'm not sure if he's still currently on the force, but there, there was an Irish police officer, Irish Catholic. This is how I found out this information. It was a, a parish in Philadelphia was like writing this fluff piece about this guy and it told this whole story so interesting Phil, fucking philadelphia so anyway this this salinas police officer is irish and probably if there's officer murphy or something it's probably this dude <laughs> yeah i don't know his name um but anyway so this guy is old enough that he lived through what's called the, the troubles, troubles in yeah. in ireland uh, at this point it's kind of neat because we have dairy girls now so I, I think that might have introduced a lot of people or explained a lot more of what the troubles were for those that don't know that's it's religious violence in ireland mostly northern ireland ireland but all throughout ireland uh between protestants and, and catholics, catholics. Protestants are colonizers and they don't want to leave. <laughs> and the <laughs> Catholics are like, get the hell out of our fucking island. We want to grow fucking spuds. Um, so anyway, this police officer, and this is where I don't know if he just lived through it or if he's old enough that he also was a police officer at that time. But basically, so again, the Protestants are are colonizers. They're, they're, they're English. So they had something called the Royal Ulster Const- Constabulary, Con- Con- you know how they call cops Con- constables? So constabulary. Yeah. So the Royal Ulster Constable, Con- 
Constable, Constable or whatever. whatever, with a Y. So these people were the colonizing police force. If you've seen Dairy Girls, it's uh, Liam Neeson in yeah. his plays yeah. one of these officers. So these guys. Dairy Girls is a show on Netflix because you keep on referencing it, but you're not oh, yeah, saying I didn't what say that. Yeah, yeah, Dairy, Dairy Girls, Girls on Netflix. Is a show on check Netflix. It check it out. Really good. Anyhow. So the, these cops were, again, the, the community didn't like them. The locals didn't like them because not only were they foreign, they were also, you know, different religion, which whatever, that's, that's their own deal um but they were known to be dicks you know they they mess with the local population they they create you know they encouraged kind of this sectarian violence in some ways and um and so in the 90s when they it's called the good friday agreement it's also in dairy girls <laughs> so when the good friday agreement was signed and actually honestly it might have been before that but one of the things that was that the problem was the police were like dude this royal the ruc this royal ulster constable constabulary <laughs> <laughs> is is just th- that name's burned you know it's like i, I was going to make a silly nickname of sports teams jokes but you know it's like oh to say the whiteys you know okay we had a team called the whiteys and be like dude we can't do that nowadays you know and uh, so they're like dude we can't change our image just kidding yeah uh yeah and they're the guardians now um but yeah so the the police department was like dude we can't change our image unless we change our name so they changed their name from the royal ulster (laughs) to the police services of Ulster. Yes. And that. Police services of Salinas. Yes. Do you guys see? The- that's the. Con- so, so the police themselves see themselves as an occupying force that has lost full faith in the community that they said it themselves. No, no, no. Who the community has lost full faith in. Go ahead. Oh. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Thank you. That, that's why you're here to yeah to fix that. The, the the what the Department of Justice report said. That's what you know you feel here on the streets, and that's what they obviously feel themselves because they changed that name very specifically. And that's what they're trying to create within the own community, which is why they included the milpa hat and the schools not prison hat within a picture of look we took all this paraphernalia off of the streets and this is associated with norteños and norteño lifestyle and norteño paraphernalia which i think is ridiculous and also i think that that says so much about the police department and it says that they will it says that they more than likely will never come to the table to work with the community and to work with an organization like milpa in good faith no Ever. And not to Hell say no. that we ever felt that they did, but they at least in the past attempted to sh- say that they did. And now it's very obvious that they never have and they're probably not capable of it. Yeah. And that's where it was like the boss would just come out and be like, you know what? Fuck you. We don't really believe in all this shit that we've yeah, been we saying. With y'all. Look at who we follow. Look at how we post like. We don't. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they said that with their post. They said, fuck y'all. That's what they said. I I thought Milpa handled it in a very classy way. I really liked the statement that they put out. And they're just like, we're going to continue to, you know, burn our smoke and do our job and fuck y'all back. Yeah, (laughs) it's not easy. And and to just jump on like that, that, that was pretty fucked. But speaking of a police overstepping their bounds, uh, they've been doing it for over 100 years. 
here in Salinas. More than here, 100 years. Here in Salinas. So anyway, it, this is, uh, let's jump into the history segment here. Um, hopefully the, the streets are not flooded yet. Um, but so I want to talk about, um, I'm like, I'm trying to find the. You want to talk about the great lettuce strike. Yeah. Well, right? what I really <laughs> wanted to say was September 4th, 1936. There was a riot on the streets. Tell me, where were you? what sublime did sublime just walk by playing music live damn that sounded so realistic so anyway yeah in september 1936 there was a big riot here in salinas it is one of the the biggest most violent uh labor riots on the west coast it's amazing uh, martin scorsese is going to make a movie about this once this episode comes out he's going to be like wait what uh, <laughs> only say that because i have killers of the flower moon right here and that scorsese's making turning this into a movie oh is he yeah of course with leonardo dicaprio oh <laughs> A book all about Navajos and it's starring Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh my god, dude! Why, why? But anyway, so so yeah, so in 1934 there was a huge riot. The police versus um, the workers. But what the hell happened? Why? Why did it mostly Filipinos? Why were all these fucking Filipinos throwing bricks and cheese at cops? Let's get into it. <laughs> Is that real? They threw cheese at him? Yeah, we'll get into that okay. too. Um, so anyway, so yeah. So again, so this is 1934. But in order to tell the complete story, like I was telling, you know, like how schools don't do it right, yeah. Oz does it right. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, anyway. Alrighty then. I, uh, <laughs> so in order to tell this, this complete story, and it's so, so interesting how our little town factors into these kind of global events yeah so this the global event that that riot ties into is the spanish-american war so in the 19th century the spanish-american empire was falling apart it was great times (laughs) (laughs) they're losing their colonies left and right we we got to get a hat you know make america great again (laughs) bring the spanish-american war back yeah anyhow so yeah so so spain was a freaking you know they had possessions all over the world here locally one of their possessions was cuba and cuba supplied a lot of sugar because uh we got molasses we have a rum big rum industry in, Mm -hmm. in this country and we make a lot of that rum from cuban sugar and um so we were like dude we need we need to protect freaking Cuba. We're you know Spain can't fucking protect Cuba no more. They're slipping. We need to put some boats right there in the Gulf of Mexico. We and uh we gotta protect Cuba. And on top of that, if we can get control of that area, we can put a fucking canal through Nicaragua or Panama, and we'll take uh-huh. over. We'll fucking take canal. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the French tried to do it first, but Americans we did it, and um. So yeah, so so Cuba is is sitting there. They're like, "Hey, Spanish people, what the fuck, bro? 
You're going broke. We're sending you all this fucking cash. We're not getting anything in return. This some bullshit. So on February 15th, 1898, an American ship called the USS Maine exploded. This is definitely in history. If you took U.S. history, you talked about this. Uh, so the USS Maine was just chilling in Havana Harbor, you know, just listening to Guantanamera. That was Guajira, Guantanamera. <laughs> You're chilling, drinking the rum. And, um, and that happened. And it was a perfect opportunity for the U.S. to be like, the Spanish did it. Fuck them. Let's go to war. And then we can take over Cuba. And that we control the Gulf of Mexico and we build our canal at will. Do we know who actually sank the ship or we just blame it on Spain? No, they, they never know. It, at the, it no, is, one, no one took um, ownership of that? No. Because, no. yeah, because, see, and this is what I was blown away. Because in, in history, you're taught that the reason why most of the country wanted to go to war after that because was because of yellow journalism and... Um, uh, what's my call with the rosebud? That fucking dude, the Orwell. Yeah, well, um, Hearst, William Randolph Hearst. Mm. You know, he had he did that yellow journalism stuff where they made stories up, and in history, it's taught that that like ran across the country, and everybody wanted to go to war because of that. In reality, that only happened in New York. Like, oh, okay. It was so yeah, it's so weird. But anyway, yeah, no, it it was probably some kind of mechanical problem or like you know just an accident. Actually, is is the way to put it. It was mm. more than likely an accident. the The U.S. saw it as a great opportunity to blame the Spanish and force the president into declaring war, and and the the U.S. did that. The U.S. declared war and they beat the sh- or we. We beat the shit out of the Spanish. <laughs> it took 16 weeks, 16 weeks. Again, at this point, Spain was struggling. Spain was was done with their overseas possessions. They were way too outstretched. So they were just like, okay, okay, we're done. We're done. They sued for peace, which it means that they they declared peace. They, they told, all right, let's sit down and talk about it. All right, fine. We'll come to the table and, in um, good faith. Yeah, and, and so Spain was forced... Um, so they gave up the sovereignty of Cuba. U.S. didn't take over Cuba, but Spain gave up the sovereignty of it. So Cuba became independent. They became its own thing. Uh, then they went wrong with the communism. <laughs> no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Uh, yeah, so, then, so Spain, the so that allowed communism. the U.S. to then, you know, work with Cuba, you know, on its own. And then on top of that, the United States was given, this was interesting, to just give fucking countries away so the united states was given puerto rico guam and the philippines and uh we still have guam and and puerto rico the philippines kicked our ass and they're their own thing now um so anyway so so this happened so okay so the u.s all of a sudden has puerto rico guam and the philippines um neat well here in the united states we were still racist as fuck you know, we would. That's one thing we do not give up on our racism in this country. We will keep it till we die. Um, so, in 1882, the United States passed what's called the Chinese Exclusion Act, which meant no Chinese laborers could come into this country for ten years. Zero, zero. Ten years later, in 1902, they said it again. Another ten years, you, no Chinese laborers could come into. Um, and that stayed that way until 1943, 
when the law changed and they allow now 105 laborers a year to come in, that is still intact. That is still the law. You, 105 laborers legally, Chinese from, laborers. From the entire, from all of China. Mm-hmm. That's insane. They get around it by, uh, again, most of the time they're not laborers. They're more like students and stuff like that. Oh, so okay. there are a lot of Chinese like, people coming. Oh, so they don't get like a lot of work visas. It's more like travel visas or like student visas. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. To work, it's, it's very, very hard. Well, and because of this racism, then uh, that made that meant that like a bunch of U.S. companies didn't have all these poor people to exploit, which sucks. I really like how you said that. Poor, com- poor companies. They're just really trying do. to. They're just trying to like make it good for their stockholders. <laughs> so rich get rich. So again, in 1882, this is when the the Chinese, you know, starting in 1882, Chinese laborers are not allowed in this country. So all of a sudden, Created this this flow, yeah. Well, in 1898, the U.S. came into control of the Philippines, so they were like oh. more poor brown Asians, and. So, and also because the U.S. took possession of it, like it it became our territory, they were technically American nationals. So, again, just like in Cuba right now, you don't need a passport uh, to go to Cuba or Guam. Um, At this time, the Philippines was the exact same thing. So then the companies were like, well, those are you know, while they're they're not, you're not a naturalized American, but you're American national. So again, so they're like, well, can we bring the Filipinos over? Yeah. Let's just bring y'all. So Filipinos were like, what's up? We'll do it. So then the Filipinos, and that's why we have such a rich Filipino history on the West Coast, because we all know, again, the Japanese and the Chinese that used to run the canneries and the Mm. the fishing and all that stuff. All of that, you know, they needed work. And that's where the Filipinos came in. Um, and that was the the third Asian wave, or I'm sure they had a racist name for it. Yeah. so that is so that's what's going on in the country. The West Coast in the early 1900s is filling up with Filipino laborers who are taking over the space left by the Chinese laborers who are now banned to come in this country. Well, in Salinas Valley, we, we're very familiar again with the Japanese who brought a lot. You know, I think they brought strawberries. Mm-hmm. The Japanese brought a lot of the produce that we grow in this valley today. And obviously we have one of the oldest Chinatowns in the country because of this, you know, because of the ag. So all these rules affected these same, these same people in Salinas. So a lot of Filipinos started filing into Salinas as well. So much so that by 1930, 80% of the farm workers in the Salinas Valley were Filipino. Yes. 80%. There was a huge Filipino community in Watsonville as well. Yeah, yeah, big time. Um, the, I'm actually going to do, I had a bunch more notes about the Filipino community, but they it, it deserves its own episode. Yeah, it, in there's, or Well, and just in this area, cause, yeah. dude, like race, right? Like people, people throwing Filipinos off bridges into the fucking Pajaro River, oh, you shit. know, to kill them. I, I mean, killed them in that manner. Like, the craziest again i i had to take that out i was like dude this is it's not spoken about too much it's so weird you know we we have calle cebu and we have the filipino community hall 
But like nobody knows about Rufo Canetti. Like nobody it's, says yeah. that name. We have schools and streets named after people that own slaves, but we but these fucking people are like forgotten to history. Yeah. And again, I think a lot of it is because they are labor organizers. Yeah, because the powers that be <laughs> don't want us to know who our true heroes are. Anyway, so So yeah, so it's nineteen thirty. It's nineteen thirty. Eighty percent of the workers are Filipino. And then the Great Depression has just started. October twenty fourth, nineteen twenty nine, Black Wednesday, Black Tuesday, whatever one of the one of the Black days, uh, set off the terrible depression. We've all heard about it, you know. Uh, but California actually, because again, a lot of history is taught east to west. Mm-hmm. We we California didn't get invented until nineteen fifty to a lot of these <laughs> fucking people. So um, pretty much because that's when like the film industry kind of yeah that's really that's, that's really what yeah when yeah, when television. it was a big thing and so you're used to seeing the the you know the streets of New York or Chicago all desolate and people standing in soup kitchens or whatever. Well, California didn't really. We we had a very diverse economy, you know. Back then, oil was still big, and we're still, I think, the third biggest oil-producing state in the country. But back then, we were oil was just everywhere. Watch, there will be blood. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you all about it. So, um, so we we had the oil industry, we had the film industry, we obviously had agriculture. So, so uh, the depression wasn't as bad here. Um, and we all know that, again, from a little book called The Grapes of Wrath, <laughs> you know, a lot of people came out west looking for work because of that, because yeah. we weren't affected as bad by the Depression or the Dust Bowl that affected the Midwest. So that when the Okies came? Yeah. Called, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That That's that's definitely when when the Okies came this way. And um, so so here you have and it, originally it wasn't a big deal. Because the Filipinos, because they were poor and brown, they worked outside. They worked on the fields. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a big deal because when the white people came over, they would work in the packing sheds. So a lot of the issues with workers fighting workers were really white workers. Like the Okies was what Mm -hmm. white people called white people coming from other parts of the country you know so i was like why don't white violence is so sad (laughs) someone should hold a rally (laughs) yeah these people are out of hand man yeah um well i need them to care before i care but go ahead but yeah so anyway so they would white people usually would work in the packing sheds mexicans and filipinos were out in the fields so it really wasn't a, a big deal it was you know but what what this meant was that you had two groups you know like really you were racially segregated essentially yeah but but you were also dependent on the same powers you know so like if there was no lettuce for the shed workers to pack you know then there was no work for them you know or if they didn't get paid you know so they their job their livelihood was tied in with these poor brown people that they didn't relate to and didn't work with so you know which created an issue because the the you know the, the farm owner can, is cool these people already divide i don't have to divide them amongst themselves you know they don't band together to to go against me um so so again and the shed workers at this at this point were unionized or some of them were they were members of 
um, what's called the Ve- Vegetable Packers Association. The VPA. Yeah, which was a part of the, the American Federation of Labor, who the AFL, I believe that's the Teamsters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a big deal because that was, that was a big nationwide one, you know, like they had power, you know, because then the Teamsters can. Oh, but then I see too why the whites and the Filipinos were segregated because if you were in the packing sheds and that was white folk work, then you were unionized. But if you were in the field and that was more brown folk work, you were not unionized. Yeah, and the AFL had a, a, I don't know if it was officially like in their charter or written down, but they they didn't work with ethnic unions. So it was very hard for for ethnic unions to form and be recognized. So they could where they could easily form, but they were they were broken apart because they didn't have to be recognized and they couldn't get the power of someone like like the AFL. Um so and this goes into this. So so the Filipinos in 1933 in Salinas formed something called the Filipino Labor Union. And again, the FLU, this is something that should be taught in fucking local history classes. This is amazing what these people did yeah. with so little. So again, in 1933, and this is in Salinas too. It's not like, oh, Stockton or whatever. Like this is in Salinas. The Filipino uh, Filipino Labor Union started in Salinas. In 1933, and immediately they set up a strike. And they, in August of 1933, 700 of their of their uh, union workers refused to go to work, and it, it didn't really work out. <laughs> it didn't really work out because the Mexicans uh, joined with the whites on this, and the the work was quickly done by whites and Mexicans, and. <laughs> So the Filipinos are kind of like, damn it, bro. Like, didn't nobody else join us? You know, you guys just, just worked it. Um, so in. Do you think that's where Chavez learned his lesson? It's like, don't cross the picket line. I, anyway, go ahead. Probably. Yeah. yeah probably. I mean, he definitely learned from a, a lot of the. And yeah, and you see how they do get smarter, more aggressive as, as mm-hmm. they learn. Cause this was in 1933 and also in 1933 Congress passed something called the national industrial recovery act. Again, this was still in the midst of the great depression and this act had a clause in it that demanded recognition of all authorized unions. So no longer did the Filipinos have to get like AFL to, to recognize them. They, this said, like, if if this is a if they do it, like how you know, kind of fill out the paperwork like they're supposed to, you have to recognize them no matter what. So this automatically gave the ethnic unions power. So the AFL is like, you know what, fuck it, we'll work with y'all. So then through through the Vegetable Packers Association, the AFL started working with the Filipinos, and um, and yeah, so now. Now you got some freaking now you got some weight behind it, you know? Now yeah. now you got now you got white workers and Filipinos together. So in 1934, this is the first big strike. In on August 27th, 1934, the, the VPA and the FLU both struck. They said, "We're done." 7,000 workers walked off the job. Damn. They just left. 7,000 homies? Yeah, 7,000, almost half of them Filipino. And the big point of contention was they wanted the raise, uh, the minimum wage raised 
from 40 cents an hour to 55 cents an hour. All right, all right. And again, this was 1934. And they organized 7,000 heads? Yeah, 7,000 people in, in the Salinas Valley to to That's walk baller. off the job. The farmers were like, dude, we, we're getting people pouring in from all over the country trying to work here. How about we pay you 30 cents an hour? Oh, like that. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we think we're overpaying you now. Damn. All right. Um. So... See, see that. Never mind. Go ahead. I'm going to go on a tangent about capitalism and how like the big man and everyone, you know what I mean? Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and them. They ain't cool people. They ain't. But anyway, go ahead. No. Okay. Yeah. So then the the AFL ends up working a deal with the labor, labor relations board that says you figure out, you basically mediate for us. You tell us what's up. The Filipino labor union is like, what the fuck? Fuck no, we don't. No, no, we want our demands met. And the AFL was like, dude, we're more experienced. Don't do this or you're going to go on your strike alone. FLU was like, no, we're not changing our demands. We're going to go off on it alone. And again, they were not as experienced doing large strikes and on and because the AFL also kind of disassociated with them, uh, people were able to attack them violently without oh, repercussion. Shit. Um, but again, and this is where a person like Rufo Canetti comes into play and, and is just this amazing figure. He's, which is interesting because I know some Canetti's I'm like, I wonder if the, the connection right. goes all the way back. And they're like, what do you Rufo? Primo? I think it's actually, uh, I saw one thing that it was Refugio. Oh, that Every, makes sense. Yeah, everywhere else it says Rufo Canetti, but it might be Refugio. Refugio. Especially because they were colonized by the Spanish. Yeah. So for them to have that. Yeah. And um, but he was the one that was like, dude, brothers band together. Like, you know, we must stay strong. Strengthen numbers. And um, so on in September of 1934, Rufo was appointed as uh, the president of the, the Filipino Labor Union. And he immediately was like, we need unity with the Mexican Labor Union. Like, we need to be together on this. Like Mexicans were just going after brown. Exactly. And um, so he, that made, obviously that made the fucking white, you know, workers and nervous. So the, the growers, the growers freaked out on this, that Rufo was, was calling for unity between the, the two big Brown factions in a sense. Mm -hmm. And the, the freaking, the farmers went crazy. They, uh, Rufo, I, I don't know exactly where, somewhere in the Salinas Valley, though, Rufo Canetti had a labor camp. 600 people, work, workers lived there. It was obviously a big meeting ground for the Filipino Labor Union, you know, a place where the Mexican Labor Union was also going to come in and, and try to work together. So, of course, vigilantes showed up and burned the whole fucking thing down. That was basically the fucking Filipino Black Wall Street for this movement. And yeah, it's so crazy. Dude, 600 people. So there was 600 just on the, in this labor camp. Mm -hmm. They burn it down, chase everybody out of town. On top of that, 
800 more, 800 more Filipino workers were driven out of the valley at rifle point. They were pushed out of the county by, by, by guns. And again, this is not some TikToker who's just saying this. I got this. There's 800. I literally have it here in, in italics. That comes from a report called labor unionism in the, in the, in the American agriculture by the U S department of labor. That report came out in 1979. They literally, this is what they say of why they, they came up with this report. This report endeavors both to record the history of farm labor unions and strikes in the United States and to analyze them functionally in time and place. So this is like as boring. They're not trying to, clickbait you or or anything literally just the facts and as dry as they could serve them up yeah so within within days of of rufo calling for this unity between mexicans and 800 motherfuckers were well at 1400 because it's 600 in his labor camp plus these 800 so at least 1400 filipino workers were chased out of this by violence um the Filipino labor union ends up moving its headquarters from Salinas to a little city called Guadalupe out by Santa Maria. Uh-huh. And so this is where they, they got to try to regroup. You know, they're basically, they're on the ropes here. Yeah. <laughs> you always want the good guy to win. You know, you always want the little guy to win kind of thing. But the, the, the big rich white person's winning here. They, they you know, and of course, because they're only winning because they don't play fucking fair. Yeah, they play dirty, and that's why they're winning. They By saw the threat, and so they resort to violence. But that's right on brand for. Well, and again, folk. and this what shows. I'm mean, that's what I'm saying is like this is the history. This is the the Monterey County Board of Supervisors, the Salinas Police Department. These are all characters in this play. These are, and I'm not obviously this a hundred years ago. There's not the actual people, but these ideas still echo through those fucking halls. And Honestly, you can even take it further than that. It's the inception of the entire country, right? The entire country was based on this idea of manifest destiny. This is the same thing. This is ours. We own it. Now get the fuck out. It's the same idea, you know? And it just is repeated itself in different ways within the history, even in a place as small as Salinas. But yeah, yes. well, that all leads us to the big one. This is—it's called the Battle of. Some call it the Battle of Salinas. There is, again, in this studio, I I have a poster of a Upton Sinclair, Sinclair play called "It Can't Happen Here," mm. and that was basically it's him calling out Nazism, yes, and saying how it very much can happen here. One hundred percent. Well. After the Battle of Salinas, one of the newspapers in San Francisco titled their report, It Happened in Salinas. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's so crazy how they tied in. So this was a big deal. Yeah. This was a big deal for that many, not just workers, but ethnic brown workers for to try to come together to fight the big millionaires it was a big deal and and again and it was shut down violently and it happened here and let's just it happened out here. really 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 quickly is that like it were it, 
the tactic of divide and conquer has worked for a very, very long time because what made them so fucking afraid? What made these growers so afraid? It was, again, like you said, the two big brown ethnic groups coming together and unifying. Mm -hmm. That scares the man every single fucking time. Every time. Take note, folks. Oh, 15 cents more. They're going to ruin us. Let's kill them. <laughs> damn! God damn! That escalated quickly. Yeah. yeah okay. But brown people are savages. So, yeah. Fucking. So in, ni- in 1936, we got a, a a a statewide battle brewing. So you have a battle between the Grower Shipper Vegetable Association, which is still around. I think they're the they're the the Grower Shipper Association. But anyway, so the Grower Shipper Vegetable Association and the Fruit and Vegetable Workers Union, which was the largest ag union in the state, they were having a statewide contract up in 1936. Mm -hmm. So both sides saw this as a great opportunity to make way. Again, the Fruit and Vegetable Workers Union was still, the unions were still struggling, just like the Filipino Labor Union. These, they were struggling to win battles the the grower shipper vegetable association saw this as an opportunity to finally crush unions in ag mm. and so the battle was set the battle was set so w- the biggest thing that the fruit and vegetable workers union would not give up and they would not budge on was that in the contract that they signed they they said that you, if you hired somebody you had to hire someone that was in their union Union represented workers. Exactly. Yeah. Obviously, the the farmers are like, fuck that. That, that creates a closed system, you know, it's less competitive. Mm-hmm. Which is, yeah, that way, yeah, because you, you can't find someone who will work for less kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the Fruit and Vegetable Workers Union said, we will not, we will not budge from that. But again, you still have that same issue with, the white packing shed workers and the Mexican and Filipino field workers. It's very difficult to unite the two because they have both, both very different issues that, that, that are concerning them. So, so here we go to September 4th, September 4th, the, the union of fruit and vegetable workers union says, fuck it. We're not getting our way. We're calling a strike. We're calling a strike, and on September 4th, 3,200 members of the union walked off the job. Um, 11 days later, the growers found enough people, you know, they brought in people from as much place as they could that they felt that they could they could start packing and shipping lettuce again mm-hmm. on September 15th. Yeah, that's when... That's when shit went down. <laughs> That's when shit went down on September 15th. So so back then uh, the packing sheds were it's kind of a, it's a weird corner cuz it, it, it's all different now but it's it was at the end of Gabaland. Okay. So like if you're where Dubbers and or Old Town Antiques is, uh home of Mija Mujer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so so and you're let's say you're looking down you're at that corner you know of Old Town Antiques and you're looking down towards Apotheca and the bakery station. Uh-huh. Who else can we shout out? The birria place. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, two hundred one. Yeah, two hundred one. Yeah. So if you're looking down that way, 
you would be looking at the where the packing sheds used to be. Got you. Because that's where that's el, so el trenecito. That's where um, UFW the UFW is, is now. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's it's, it's <laughs> pretty historic. I don't know if that was intentional, but yeah, it is very. Historic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and yeah, so in that area, that's where and you can still see some of those are big warehouse type buildings. Yes. Um, the National Steinbeck Center, the way that circle thing is designed, that is designed to look like those old packing sheds. Mm. And they used to be there because that's where the railroad is, you know. Yes. And so so then the car, the trucks had to drive through Old Town. You imagine traffic must fucking <laughs> You think traffic is bad right now, dude? The fucking trucks used to have to drive through Old Town. So they have to drive through Old Town. At some point, they have to cross that intersection, mm-hmm. Maine and Gabaland. It's so historic. It's so interesting. So they have to cross that intersection. So on one side of the street, you got the Mexicans and the Filipinos with bricks and cheese. And the reason why they have cheese is because they're going to throw it at the rats that have come in to take their jobs. Oh, got you. <laughs> It's so crazy. When you started it and you said bricks and cheese, for some reason I was thinking cops and I was like, do pigs eat cheese? But is that a no. thing? But I don't go ahead. They, I'm sorry. So the I trucks was, are was, coming down. They're yelling rats, rats, rats. And they're throwing bricks and cheese at the trucks. Savages. So as this happens across the street is the is the police so you have salinas police department you have monterey county sheriffs you have california highway patrol you have this motherfucker named colonel henry r samborn (laughs) i i doubt i doubt that this is why samborn is named samborn and it very it it, no this guy is he's no he it's just coincidental this guy doesn't if that's the his fucking name this guy does not deserve to be respected in selena's history um i samborn better be named after somebody not colonel henry sam so colonel henry samborn a was not a colonel and b probably wasn't his real name he changed his name he's a fucking con man um so he was up in san francisco at this time called himself a colonel i'm i can get an army together he's somehow he's talking to the growers here in selena's and saying bro them pinko commies are coming dog there is it's so funny. They were saying that there was uh, red flags all around the state leading towards Salinas where the communists were going to follow the flags. Shut up. They were fucking marking out Highway 101. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> they were realigning Highway 101 to oh where. Oh my goodness. Because um, at this point, Highway 101 was still um, San Juan Grade Road. Yes, but they call us ignorant conspiracy theorists. Yeah, they freaked the fuck out. The the local guys freaked the fuck out. They hire Colonel Samborn to fucking to lead the defense. Who wasn't an actual colonel? Was not a colonel. His name was not Samborn. Um, so, so yeah. So you one side of the street again. You got Filipinos and Mexicans with cheese and bricks across them. You got Colonel Sanders. I mean Colonel Samborn. Colonel Colonel Sanders. Sanders. (laughs) You got Colonel Samborn. Both fictional colonels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Both fictional colonels. Um, <laughs> and, well, of course. The, and shit the, is hitting the, the fan. Yeah, the police have, they have tear gas guns. They have gun guns. <laughs> they have clubs. And, and yeah, so, 
So then again, then the the trucks get to to Maine and Gabilan, and everyone just goes at it. There are pictures you could Google the Battle of Salinas. It's insane. Just people are like it. It looks like um, the the fucking zoot suit riots. Oh shit! Like it looks exactly like that. You know, like these white guys that look like they have like model, a model T or whatever. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They look like straight out of freaking uh, American graffiti. But you know, there's dudes with shotguns. There's guys freaking bleeding, all like blood, like all the side of their body. Changes all crazy <laughs> when you're talking about the blood. It was crazy. Fucking shit! That was hilarious. But dang, yeah, you're gonna. Have so to that was some pictures on social media. Yeah, that was September fifteenth. On the the board of supervisors doesn't know what to do. On September twenty, or um, in October, in early October, they pass an anti picketing ordinance to try to stop the fight. Because dude, this is like a daily. Like it it went on for six weeks. Damn. This wasn't just like oh one day of fighting. This was no. six weeks. They were committed. Yeah, it was, it was freaking nuts. Um. On but yeah, but on September by September twenty eighth, the the growers has basically said we're we're not we, we don't you we don't have leverage and we're not going to do that where you have to we have to hire union people. Uh, and then October, the Monterey County Board of Supervisors passed anti picketing ordinance where so unconstitutional, yeah. so un American that you can't fucking protest. That is, that is that's basically that's the First Amendment. Was. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it, that's what. It, yeah, that's basically what it was. They were saying we're siding with the growers. We take the side of capitalism. Because um, the, they always have Luis Alejo. <laughs> Alejo's gonna be like, what the fuck. Um, uh, but I mean, that's their history. That's something that they yeah. got. Uh, and, and he's a part of it. Granted, the they have apologized. The state on the statewide level, they have apologized to Filipinos, but not Mexicans. And not Mexicans. It was interesting. What? It was to Filipinos, and Luis Alejo was one of the leaders of this. Um, but he got it for Filipino folks, but not Mexican folks. It might there might be a Mexican one in there, but this one I saw. I don't know. What, we gotta look this up because all right. Anyhow. So on October sixth was the, the last battle the less street battle actual physical violence on the street happened on october 6th and um november 3rd the strike was finally finally officially over the the fruit and vegetable worker unions lost, lost basically and um they they kind of their power was weakened not just locally but on the statewide level um yeah it was and and again this is a, a fight that was then picked up well, by the Filipinos kept this going. The 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 great boycott uh, in 1965. Yeah, that was started by Filipinos. Fil- Filipinos, you yeah. Know. Filipinos then, kept that then, fight going. And Cesar Chavez joined with the UFW, um, the the great great boycott of 1965. Um, yeah, and a lot and, of people think that Cesar started that. That's not an accurate. No, and, yeah, exactly. Of yeah, sorry. You have to give credit where credit is due. Yeah, the Filipinos put in work for decades. Hella work. I mean, they were killed a lot. You know, they were driven out they by the hundreds. They were driven out by <laughs> fucking gunpoint. Yeah. So and yeah, that that's how basically how I want to end this before my SD card runs out. Here is that this this country this area does have a 
I put a rich history of poor immigrant workers banding together to improve their their living conditions. So, again, it's basically I, I want talking to the youth. I know that the youth got a lot more politically active the recently. Youth. Yeah, all the youths out there, and I know older people can tell you, "Oh, that you're doing it wrong. That that's not like oh, it's, things are getting better." Fuck that. This is something that a hundred years ago people were fighting for the same things. So a lot of the ways things don't get better. So don't get discouraged. Don't let them think that you're doing that. I'm not saying go get cheese and bricks and start throwing it at freaking trucks. I might, but be I'm saying but that. I'm saying that that you know by any means necessary kind of thing. You know, yeah. Like, but and know your history, and don't think that there that there is no history in this, or or you don't have heroes to look up to. There are people like Rufo Canetti who don't have statues and don't have movies or whatever about them, but are super important to our history and are the giants whose shoulders we should stand on. I'm going to keep, I fucking I keep just love that, that phrase. Yes, but yes. again, don't it's, it's discouraging sometimes, you know, it feels like you're, you're fighting an uphill battle and you are, but just realize that like you're in the middle of that hill, you know, yeah. where you might think you're at the bottom of the hill. No, you're a hundred years into that. There's a lot, a lot of history in there. And, and again, sometimes I think it's not taught on purpose. Yep. Because as we've seen, brown people banding together is seen as a threat by some people. 100%. And, um, and I think, you know, if you're like someone who's young and like still in high school and stuff like that, when they say, oh, you can do your project on whoever you want to pick your hero or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's people like that that we should really be highlighting. And, like, and I know that's going to make it a little bit harder. You know, you're not going to be able to just you know, type in Cesar Chavez and like have everything come up. Right. But like knowing this history is so important and yeah. Yeah. I And you realize how, again, going back, wrapping it up here with the, the police issues is that unfortunately we, we, we do have a, a sad and terrible history in this area of police overreaction with violence. And, and I'll, I'll finish it with a, a, quote from from the report of the national labor relations board about the police reactions to the strike and it said uh the impression of these events obtained from the record is one of inexcusable police brutality in many instances bordering on sadism wow once again a government document <laughs> it's not supposed to you know it's not that, that the daily a, mail or yeah, something exactly or samantha's personal rant on social yeah. media <laughs> They called the the Salinas Police Department sadists, borderline sadists, and I, you know, we started off this episode talking about what the Salinas Police Department is still doing to undermine the work and the efforts of brown people within the community, brown people who want to unify community. Yeah, and again, I know, dude. I with my friends, that's where, like I said, I get eye rolls and laughs of like. That's where people point me like at a conspiracy, you know, theories or something. Yeah. And I'm like, I ain't no fucking Alex Jones or nothing. Like, dude, I, I read history books. Yeah. These are history books. I'm I'm it's, not reading friend shit and just connecting dots. I'm just reading the words of historians. Yeah. It's so interesting to me. Like I said, you know, they call us ignorant conspiracy theorists, but yet these motherfuckers, there was red flags outlining the 101 and these guys thought so yeah. were all the fucking they thought communists. Those fucking communists. I cannot. I just cannot. <laughs> but anyway, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Samantha, for doing this. I I think that's the first time we said my name actually. 
I, everyone knows everyone at this point knows who you are You're, thank you yeah everyone here at the salad bites media family we're we're, we're all getting to know each other but yeah and, and if you still haven't if you don't know who she is or haven't <laughs> listened to her highly encourage you to go check out 831 comadres yes yes her and frenchy um have very very good opinion and yeah and and different opinions you know sure. and but anyway i hope Everybody listen to something. I I hope the police don't get in my DMs angrily. It's not, I'm not trying to attack you. It's just sometimes, you know, the mirror, the reflection in the mirror ain't that pretty dog, you know, and it is, it is what it is. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not here to paint you in a, it's just, it's just history. And people be listening because I got, um, you know, uh, people (laughs) in my, uh, text message on some things that i said on the podcast some uh people within the city <laughs> yeah i'm sure yeah and, and right I'm, I'm glad and, that, and that's what I, I don't care you know i'm not doing this oh, to try to bring them 100. down or whatever this is very important our generation we need a voice like this over and over uh, again local media could only do so much we we are not journalists but we all do offer our, our perspective uh but anyway Thanks, y'all. Yes. Thanks for listening. Catch uh, you next month. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> In six months, we'll have our Filipino episode or whatever. But yeah, I'll be working on that. That's a very impressive one. And I don't know, maybe reach out to the, you know, the, some Filipino groups around. Somebody, Rufo Canetti's freaking relatives are like going crazy right now. Like, ah, we're still here. We yes. That's our uncle. We have Gosh, stories. That'd be hella dope. Invite me to be a co-host on that one. I'm hella down. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. But anyway, let's, let's try to beat this storm before all hell breaks loose. Luckily, yes. the power stayed on. We'll catch y'all soon. Peace. Peace.